What's going on everyone? Henry here at Disruptive Money Management and today we're going to be discussing a very heated debate. It's a rivalry for the ages. Now rivalries are great, don't get me wrong. Rivalries allow for boundaries to be pushed. Just like Frazier versus Ali, Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears, Lakers versus Celtics, the Boston Red Sox versus the New York Yankees. When rivalries exist, the competition gets heated. Fans take sides and the game gets elevated. But unlike sports legends, we're going to speak about something a little bit more near and dear to my field. The traditional IRA versus the Roth IRA. On one end, we have the heavyweight champion coming out in 1974 as the only de facto retirement savings account at the time. That's right, ladies and gents, before you were able to save in the Roth IRA or even had an inkling of that financial darling of yours called the 401k, there was the traditional IRA. The traditional IRA was passed into law as a provision for Americans to start saving for retirement. Back before 1974, the most common retirement savings plans was the pension plan. The pension, as most of you are aware, has fallen from the wayside because of the number of resources it needs to keep a pension in maintenance. This is, of course, due to longevity and an ever-increasingly higher amount of retirement payouts. And as such, companies needed an alternative to retirement savings. America needed an alternative to that. The traditional IRA is individually owned by you and you only, which is why they are called individual retirement accounts. You have the ability to make contributions to the traditional IRA with what is known as pre-tax dollars. Every dollar you deposit gets deducted from your income, effectively decreasing your taxable liabilities for that year. The funds that are invested grows tax deferred, meaning you are not subject to capital gains while it is growing in that account. Upon obtaining age 59 and a half, you are able to withdraw your principal contributions and any investment earnings. The catch is that you'll pay ordinary income taxes at that point. Our contender, the Roth IRA, was not introduced into our financial systems until 1997 by Senator William Roth of Delaware. The Roth IRA, in contrast, allows an individual to contribute after-tax dollars, meaning no tax deductions or reduction on earned income from taxes. But it gives that ability to grow tax-free and upon successfully meeting retirement eligibility, withdraw the investment earnings tax-free as well. Today, we are going to compare the two, discuss the eligibility restrictions and withdrawals before crowning one as the champion. So eligibility, the traditional IRA allows for individuals under age 50 to contribute up to 6,000 and for those over age 50, an additional 1,000 as a catch-up provision. IRAs are individually owned and are tied to your social security number. For households with joint income, you can contribute to both even if one person does not have earned income. That means if one individual is working and the other is a stay-at-home parent, that household can contribute to both individual retirement accounts up to the annual maximum of $6,000 or $7,000 each. Anyone over the age of 18 with earned income can, can contribute towards a traditional IRA. With the traditional IRA, if your income is below a specific amount, you are allowed to take a deduction that is partial or in full based on the amount that you contribute. So for single filers, if your income is 65000 or below, and this is for 2020, 
you are allowed to take a deduction up to the full amount you contribute. Easy enough, you put in six grand, you can deduct the full six grand from your earned income. If your income is between 65,000 and 75,000, you can take a partial deduction based on your modified adjusted gross income. And if your income is above 75, you have no allowable deductions. For those that are married and filing jointly, if your earned income is 104,000 or less, you're allowed to take a deduction up to the full amount that you contribute. If you're putting in funds on behalf of your spouse, that earned income increases to 196,000. Between 104 and 124, you're allowed a partial deduction for yourself. For your spouse, your earned income increases to a range of 196 to 206. You are no longer allowed to take a deduction on traditional IRA if your household income is greater than 124,000 and deductions on behalf of your spouse sees exist if it's over 206,000. One thing to note is that the above numbers on income are in reference to allowable deductions. If your income is higher than the amount I reference, you can still contribute to a traditional IRA, but you just won't get the allowable deduction. That money deposited will still grow tax-deferred and taxable as ordinary income at age 59 and a half, regardless of whether you took the allowable deduction or not. Which leads to the Roth IRA. Roth IRAs are also individual and have the same contribution limits as a traditional IRA. It's the same $6,000 if you're under age 50 and the same additional $1,000 in catch-up for those over age 50. The income restrictions on the Roth IRA are easier to understand. You just have to remember two numbers based on your marital status. So for single filers, if your modified adjusted gross income is $124,000 or below, you can contribute the maximum amount to the Roth IRA. For married couples and filing jointly, your modified adjusted gross income must be below $196,000. The way the tax code works, as your income steadily increases above those two numbers, the maximum amount that you can contribute decreases. So for instance, if I'm married and my modified adjusted gross income is $200,000, that means my maximum allowable contribution to the Roth IRA is only $3,600 per individual. The upper limit on your modified adjusted gross income is $139,000 for single filers and $206,000 for those married filing jointly. If you earn more than those numbers, you are ineligible to contribute to the Roth IRA. Now, don't worry about trying to remember all those numbers. I have a link in the description that's going to take you to the full breakdown. So what happens if you're wanting to have a tax-free investment account, but your income is over the threshold I just mentioned? Well, there's a little-known tax loophole for individuals or families that earn more than that. This little-known strategy is called the backdoor Roth IRA contribution, and it allows for contributions even if your income is higher than those numbers. So again, if your individual and your income is in excess of 139,000 as as a single participant or 206,000 as being married you still have the ability to contribute to the Roth via the loophole I just talked about the backdoor Roth contribution is a fantastic way for those who love the concept of tax-free money i'm going to have a separate episode on the backdoor Roth IRA so if you're above the income limits and want a tax-free retirement savings account be sure to check that out 
Numbers-wise, the income eligibility is pretty neck and neck, but because of the lower amount of allowable deductions as your income increases above the threshold and the ability to withdraw tax-free dollars from the Roth IRA makes this round in favor of the Roth IRA. Moving on to withdrawals. Now, I've already stated that withdrawals from a traditional IRA is permissible upon attaining age 59 and a half. Withdrawals at that age 4 will only be subject to ordinary income taxes. Withdrawals prior to age 59 and a half will be assessed as ordinary income tax plus an additional 10% penalty. Remember everyone, these accounts are designed for retirement, which is why the IRS has a steep charge for withdrawals prior to that. Don't tap this account for emergencies or use it for vacations because that can effectively cost you close to 30%, if not more. So what happens if you really, really need to use the fund sooner? Well, it depends on what you're using it for. The IRS has certain exclusions for withdrawals prior to age 59 and a half. These are limited to first-time home purchases, which allows for withdrawal of up to 10000 in your lifetime, higher education expenses for yourself and immediate family. It can be used due to disability or unreimbursed medical expenses that exceed 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. You can use these, you can take a penalty-free withdrawal for birth or adoption expenses, which is allowable up to 5000 and also to cover health insurance premiums if you have been unemployed for at least 12 weeks. The withdrawals, like I said, you know, based on those criteria above, they're still going to be subject to ordinary income taxes, but you will not have to pay the 10% penalty. Additionally, if you're retiring early, prior to age 59 and a half, there is an IRS provision that allows for you to take funds out without that 10% penalty. The 72T, the 72T provision, as what is called, is structured for early retirees, but they must maintain a periodic payment that is predetermined. This rule is pretty in-depth, so I'll be uploading a separate episode on the 72T for those interested in early retirement income. Traditional IRAs are subject to required minimum distributions, otherwise known as RMDs. The IRS states that when you turn age 72, you must take a minimum amount from your traditional IRA each and every year. Now, please note that prior to the SECURE Act ruling, the RMD age was 70 and a half. If you turned 70 and a half in 2019 and was subject to an RMD, you must still follow that schedule. It is only for those whose birthdays are after March of 1951 that can use the age 72 RMD rule. Now, I often get asked why the RMD rule is in place. And in short, the answer is taxes. Think of the traditional IRA as its tax-sheltered account where you've been putting in pre-tax dollars and the investments have been growing tax-deferred. The IRS is just waiting for you to take it out because that is when they get their tax payments. The IRS doesn't want the millions of traditional IRAs floating out there to go untapped because tax revenue fossil will start drying up. It's really just that simple. So going back to the RMD, the RMD starts at age 70 and a half or 72 depending on your birthday and it incrementally increases each and every year. There's an actuarial table based on life expectancy that determines how much needs to be taken out each year 
as calculated on the previous year's December 31st year-end balance. And again, it's based on a preset actuarial table, which is one of the reasons why the RMD rule got pushed out to 72, because for many, many years, the actuarial tables were never updated. Going back to the RMD, it starts off at roughly 4%, which isn't very high, but it quickly gets up to 10% in your late 70s and your early 80s. And by the time you're in your 90s, it's not uncommon to see required minimum withdrawals as high as 30 to 40% of the account balance. When it comes to the Roth IRA, it's common for investors to think that there aren't any provisions they need to be concerned about for withdrawals, which is simply not true. The Roth IRA is filled with after-tax contributions. The investments grow tax-free, and when taken, it provides a tax-free income if you meet two criterias. You must be age 59 and a half or older, and you must have had that account for at least five years in order to withdraw your earnings tax-free. When it comes to your contributions, you can withdraw that anytime without any problems. The earnings are what matters. The five-year account history is critical to remember. If you started your Roth IRA at age 58 and you made your contribution at that age, you cannot effectively withdraw the earnings from the Roth IRA at age 59 and a half. If you do that, your investment earnings are subject to the tax penalty of 10%. The earnings must sit in that account for a full five years before you can withdraw it without the penalty. The Roth IRA has the same exclusions as the traditional IRA. You take investment earnings out for purposes of your first home purchase, higher education, medical expenses, birth or adoption, etc. The Roth IRA, however, is not subject to the RMD rules. I repeat, it is not subject to RMD rules. So when you turn 70 and a half or 72, you're not required to take any money out of that account if you do not want to. This is a very important differentiating factor and the second most important reason why you should have a Roth IRA. While the traditional IRA will start whittling down an account value, as the IRS forces you to take an ever increasing amount each year, the Roth IRA allows you to maintain a growth-oriented approach and continue to save your nest egg for later years. This differentiating factor is absolutely critical to your financial plan. Oftentimes, when I'm creating retirement plans, we have the immediate pressing need, which is retirement income. Most of the people that come to me are wanting to know how much they can take in retirement and if that amount is acceptable to their living standards. That is easy enough but a bigger part of what our planning revolves around is late-stage, unexpected medical expenses or legacy building. You and I both know that as we get older, things are going to get more expensive. It's called inflation. Our cost of goods continuously go up each and every year. The cost of medical treatment is expected to increase. Assisted living or long-term care, which you and I absolutely hate to think ourselves ever needing to be in, can cost upwards of $5,000 a month. Here in Arizona, the cost of assisted living or long-term care starts at $4,500. In San Francisco, where my family is from, it starts at $5,500. So throughout this entire retirement time frame, assuming you retire at age 67, you're withdrawing enough money to maintain your lifestyle, right? You're traveling and enjoying life. This whole time, the IRS is forcing you to take money out each and every year with the objective of ideally having you run out of money by the time you're in the 90s. And bam, 
you're hit with a medical condition that requires long-term care or assisted living. My question is, where's that money going to be coming from if you've been withdrawing from your nest egg this entire time? The Roth IRA gives you the ability to save for retirement for tax-free income, but in addition to that, if you stick with a solid financial plan and find that between all your other income sources, you do not need more money from the Roth IRA, you can continue to let that defer and grow for late-stage health expenses. I do this often with my clients where we position the Roth IRA as such so that they don't get caught in an oh snap, what am I going to do moment. So tax-free income and lack of required minimum distributions means the Roth IRA gets another win in this battle and we've got a crowned winner. Okay everyone, when it comes to eligibility, exclusions, tax liabilities, and flexibility, the Roth IRA without a doubt wins hands down. Inserting a Roth IRA into your financial plan is simple enough, and anytime you have extra funds to invest, I encourage you to look at maximizing your Roth IRA if you have not done so already. If you have any questions on setting up a Roth IRA or need help with the investments on the Roth, please be sure to drop me a line and my team and I will be more than happy to help you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I wish you a productive week. The podcast reflects the opinions of the hosts. The podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a recommendation to buy or sell any security and is not an offer or sale of a security. The podcast is also not a research report and is not intended to be the basis of any investment decision. Investment advice is offered only through a signed management agreement with Juncture Wealth Strategies, LLC a registered investment advisor.